Welcome to Listen to Talking with Trees, a podcast by Anetta Lander, which is a series of attempts at addressing specific trees in Swedish, Finnish or English. This is a freestanding sequel to the project Meetings with Remarkable and Unremarkable Trees. This episode is part of Pondering with a Pine, a series of conversations recorded with a pine tree in Kaivopuisto Park in Helsinki. Hello, Pine. It's a windy day, a windy evening, so I come close to you to have some protection. I'm so happy to see you well and with all your branches intact because there has been heavy rains and storms while I was away. There is a lot of um, roadworks in the park because the water has been uh, flowing down and, and destroying the, the roads or the paths. All the, all the soil has been removed by the water and so on. Today is the, the, the last day of August and it's uh, officially the end of summer or the beginning of autumn tomorrow and it really feels like autumn. I was spending most of August in Mazzano Romano uh, in a small village uh, northeast from Rome in Treia Valley. Treia is a river very, very, very beautiful forest, but but not so many pine trees, really. I met one pine there, but but all the famous Italian stone pines, uh, Pinus pinia, they were growing elsewhere, not in the valley. But I came already a few days ago, and, and I, I spent yesterday and today on Harakka, uh, working with the uh, completely different things, not fine things at all. And uh, actually an old work called Animal Years, a series of performances for a, a video camera, repeated uh, once a week for a year, and for 12 years actually in different places on the island. And now those works will be, or one example from each year, will be displayed uh, in, as part of the group exhibition, The Artist's Island, which is opening tomorrow and will be open for all of September. So yesterday, and especially today, I have fastened now small, well, square pieces of aluminium with QR codes printed on them. And those QR codes lead to, to websites with the videos. So you can, you can find those QR codes on location where those videos were shot. And of course, some of them were shot more than, more than, well, more than 10 years ago, almost, uh, yeah, almost 20 years ago. So, wow. So uh, 
although parts of the landscape on Haraka have not changed that much because it's a protected area, some parts have changed a lot. And of course, the video technology has changed. So, so they really feel like historical works, the, the oldest ones. And also in Mazzano, although I was supposed to be working on a book uh, called Talking with Trees, I was actually spending most of my time editing old texts related to those animal years as well. So a manuscript that I now sent in for peer review, which is called Animal Years Revisited, how to do things with artistic research. That's a working title. So you can, you can understand I'm so happy to be here with you because, because this is uh, sort of what I'm supposed to be doing now instead of uh, focusing on those old works. So even though I'm very happy for the opportunity to, to somehow, if not create a permanent work, but the work that would remain there on the island, at least for a few years, if, if, the, if the signs will, will stay. Um, and of course the book, which will be a collection of, of texts that they're, they're easily somehow uh, forgotten and, and in obscure online journals and so on. So it's nice to have them in one place and I'm really grateful for the opportunity to, to do that. But uh, nevertheless, it, that's all old works. So, so uh, and I feel um, that our conversations, although Maybe I'm a little bit stuck with them, too. They're what I'm supposed to do now. They're, they are about the future, also. A colleague of mine mentioned uh, uh, a text written by a Polish uh, scholar, whose name I've forgotten, not Magda, who was here, but somebody else, who basically discusses uh, other people's work, but, but mentions uh, me as a performer with trees and a scholar, funny enough, and uh, that I have suggested that, that we should be letting plants perform. I'm just wondering, where have I suggested that? But of course, of course I do that in some sense. Instead of, for instance, uh, what she referred to, Viviane Depré, who I haven't read and I should read, who speaks about the necessity to, to ask the right questions. So I should be asking you such questions that you can answer them. Instead of talking about my own concerns, I should be uh, formulating my questions in a manner uh, that you could reply, you could answer. And of course, the, the questions should be such that they are somehow relevant for you. And I willingly admit that I'm not actually doing that. And I have even pride, being proud of the fact that I don't force you to, to react in any manner if you don't wish. But now I start to think that I maybe should, uh, it's somehow lazy human arrogance to just sort of come to you and, and use my own faculties and my own language and my own habits and then expect that if you want you can reply and if you don't want you don't have to and so on 
and what I think is somehow ethically fair might be just pure arrogance. So I should look at look into that. But um, what else can I say at the moment? Well, while in Matsano, I, I read also an interesting book which I had started to read already earlier, but but stopped in it in mid uh, midway somehow. Paulo Calvo, uh, a Spanish uh, uh, cognitive scientist and philosopher who is uh, who is uh, examining or in, uh, investigating plant intelligence, and exactly as sort of in order to understand, uh, not plants only, but to understand intelligence and how we should understand somehow, how, what, what uh, how we could understand intelligence in a less uh, anthropocentric and human-centered and, and uh, biased and narrow way type, uh, why would intelligence and brain be somehow necessarily linked and so on. So that was an interesting text, and he was a great fan of Darwin. It was somehow partly popularly written and person, personal, in a personal style, and he was an admirer of Darwin. Uh, and yes, then I read, then I read uh, Andreas Malm's short pamphlet, How to Blow Up a Pipeline. It's an ominous title, but it's a really it's a short book uh, about uh, the strategies used by uh, the environmentalist mu movement in, in uh, later years. But also a great history of different type of, of uh, sort of movements, like uh, to abolish slavery or the uh, women's vote and so on. So, so what are the tools? How have people managed to, to get some results. And he's uh, criticizing the prevalent uh, idea of uh, nonviolence, uh, which he, he somehow describes as a, as a holy principle that is not questioned. And I admit uh, that I'm very much uh, in favor of nonviolence and and a great, great admirer of Gandhi and so on. But he was quite convincing in his, uh, his argument that, that uh, there might come a time when, when some sort of violence would be needed. And he also made a uh, good distinction between violence that uh, harms property or, or objects and violence against humans. And the latter, of course, should be uh, avoided, avoided in the utmost. And of course, other living beings too. So, so I think if we, if we uh, he distinguishes between terrorism and vandalism. So, so destroying property or, or the sort of, um, He, he told about his uh, youth experiences with, with uh, putting the air out from the tires of, of soup cars, which uh, are really 
burning more fossil fuels than any others. And, and the difference between that and, and, and terrorism, which is about uh, killing and harming innocent people, bystanders, instigating terror in that sense. He had also the argument that often uh, there is needed a sort of a radical side to a movement so that the more uh, peaceful side of the movement can be taken seriously in negotiations, type uh, that uh, Martin Luther King needed Malcolm X, uh, the, the Black Panthers were needed for, for people to, to listen to is peaceful dream. Well, the climate movement is not the same as, as human rights, but, but they're of course interlinked because more and more people realize that the climate change uh, causes suffering exactly to those people who, who already suffer, who already are uh, in, in precarious positions. Well, a boat in mist. Is there a mist? I don't know. But the wake-up call for me to stop babbling again. Uh, I'm happy to be with you, and I'll, I'll come back again in a few weeks. And I hope that uh, I hope that there will not be too heavy storms. I know you're strong, and you have you have uh, roots that go really deep and. You're doing fine, but anyway. So I wish you all the best, and thank you for listening to me again. Take care. This was an episode of the podcast Talking with Trees.